Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Good morning, or good afternoon, or good night, whatever. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. This is Rebecca. Hey, this is Rachel. I'm telling my story today. Rebecca is. So now that we're on our, what, what episode number is this? 70? I think 71. And as you know, we really want to monetize this. We've been thinking about potential sponsors, and we're like, Birdie personal alarm would be perfect for us. And I don't think they sponsor or advertise on true crime podcasts, but we have the exact same demographic. I don't understand. It is a great, a little alarm system. You just, it goes on your keychain, you pull it. It makes a really loud sound to deter anyone attacking or whatever. Um, so y'all go buy one. Yeah. Y'all go buy one. And then tell them that we sent you, that we yeah, yeah. say, say like, oh, I've heard about the birdie through People Are the Worst podcast. So yeah. then they start noticing us because- Oh my, my God. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. right? This. I thought okay. about it the last night and I was like, this is bullshit. Birdie needs to sponsor us. And I'm like, how can we do that? They're not going to okay. like, return this an is... email just on us, like cold calling them. So I'm like, oh, our Here's people how we're will help. Do it. Yep, that's how we're going to do it. Our people will help us. Yeah, or or you don't even have to buy one. Go to their Instagram and be like, oh, I just heard about this product through People Are the Worst podcast. Yeah. Okay, this is a good ploy, y'all, y'all, y'all. <laughs> this is between us. Yeah, we're just, in this together. Just a group of friends chatting, but that's a <laughs> good idea. Yeah, why aren't people throwing money at us yet? Oh my God, which is like ideal for listeners because y'all don't have to listen to ads, but we just want y'all to listen to just a couple ads. What? <laughs> They're short. These episodes sure. are short enough. It would only be like one. Yeah. We're not going to bombard y'all. Oh my God. And here's what else. The quality would be phenomenal. But here's the thing. If we had more ads and this was funding it, then we would put out more episodes and y'all get more of us. Yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. Before we get started, we I would be remiss not to mention what's going on in Israel. It is so sick. Awful. I, I literally feels like someone punches me in the stomach when I read about the babies mm -hmm. and the beheading oh. and it's horrible rape, everything horrible everything so I keep seeing all of our friends on Instagram our Jewish friends being like check in on them so everyone check in they are terrified it's oh. it's making me terrified oh stop don't make I know. Me it's it's so scary horrible. it's sad I don't like the idea of everyone being scared that's just that gets that really gets me but Babies, kids, innocent people need to be off limits. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, check in, donate, ask your friends where uh, their favorite organizations are. I don't know why I'm crying. No, because it, it's it's awful. Literally, I clicked the hashtag Israel because I was seeing if I, there yeah. was another good post to share. But and I was like, uh-uh. I know. I can't. I can't Ooh. see the footage. It's so sad. Okay, sorry. No, it's yeah, it's important. Now onto something lighter. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, sorry. Like no. now, now onto Rebecca's story, but had to yeah, be said. Absolutely. I have no patrons to shout out this week, but I do have a custom one from Destina. Destina. Sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Tell us how to pronounce it. Yeah, I would love to know. Yeah, I would pretty. too. It is pretty. I'm a nursing student and will be graduating this May. Congrats. 
I would like to shout out Brady School of Nursing at Shorter University located in Rome, Georgia. These girls and guys work so hard and I'm so proud of them. So are oh. we. Thank you for nursing would be so hard. Oh my God. I love good for you. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And you're in Rome. That's not far. Whenever I, okay. <laughs> we have friends in Rome, but it reminds me when I lived in Atlanta, this oh guy God. didn't know that well was like really feeling this girl, like an acquaintance. And I was like, you're kind of obsessive over like her life. And he, cause he was just like doting on her. Mm -hmm. And he was like, she's just like lives a fascinating life. And she's loaded. I can tell because this weekend she has a wedding in Dublin next weekend. It's in Rome. And I was like, Oh, these are all cities in Georgia. He was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, you're a thing. And she's like a jet setter, worldwide oh traveler, Rome, Dublin. I was like, Oh no, she's talking about Georgia. You fool. Oh my God. I had a, someone once. Um, he didn't like her after that. I'm just kidding. He did. Yeah. Someone once, I won't name names, but we were talking about Sophia Vergara and said she's from, we we're mentioning right. that she's from Colombia and she's like, South Carolina? Like, God. you've got to be joking. Yes. Did she? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Did, don't Carolina. you hear her Southern accent? <laughs> anyway. All right. I'm going to jump into this. I am telling you about Dana Laskowski. Nice. Can I address something real quick? Sorry. Yeah. I've just keep forgetting. And someone commented on this. I keep forgetting we're on YouTube. And so that people can see this. My kids have been home all week. It's a mess. No, I, you're no. not addressing that. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. You always make me cut it, but it's a mess up here. Oh, do I always I, make you cut it? I think I've said that before. And you're like, no one cares. I'm like, I do. I care. There's toys. Just get out of here. Okay. Deal with it. Okay. Well, sources are Seattle Times, Crime Zone on YouTube, an unexpected killer on oxygen. Wow. That's a show, an unexpected killer? Yeah, it's all a whodunit. Ah. I know. Uh, okay. I was like, shit, this is going to be my, if you no ever one... knew that on uh, Who Did It, this is it. No, no one go watch that. Oh my God. I That's know. the new source. <laughs> no shit. Cinemaholic.com and First Degree Podcast has an episode on it, which is Billy Jensen's podcast. Um, Rach just told me that he is a it's piece of shit and problematic. problematic. I, for some reason, did not know this. Um, if anyone doesn't know him, he's solved more than 10 homicides. He has a memoir, a true crime memoir called Chase, Chase Darkness with me. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, but Wait, he uh, she, was she unaware. Not, yeah, she did not know that we should not be promoting him. But she when she wrote this. So no, it's fine. If you mention him and he has a source in here, fine. But yeah. we are I am aware of <laughs> the allegations against him and. Now Rebecca is too, and we will not talk about him again. Yeah, don't buy his book. How about that? On the morning of August 31st, 2001, a couple living in Puyallup, Washington, requested a welfare check on their nanny, 36-year-old Dana Laskowski, who didn't show up for work that day. She has never been late before, let alone ghost them completely. So police go there, and no one is answering her door. They go around back and see that her back door is open. The officer walks around, and it's eerily quiet, he says. He's checking one room at a time, and he can't find her until he gets to the living room where he sees a woman laying on the couch covered with a blanket. Mm. At first glance, he thinks maybe she's asleep until he walks a little closer and immediately calls for backup. Oh, my God. Dana's body was face down in an awkward, unnatural angle twisted at the waist with her Ooh. arm behind her back. Mm -mm. 
Her house was ransacked, but all the windows were locked and the blinds were drawn and all the doors were locked except for the back one. So whoever did it entered and exited that way, maybe using a key, maybe not. There was blood splatter on the carpet and a trail leading up to her body, which indicates a struggle or that Dana was dragged. Oh, her shirt was pulled up, exposing her breasts, but she had not been raped. Okay. Staged. Mm -hmm. Her neck, elbows, and knees were bruised and there was blood in her mouth. Her neck and windpipe particularly had a lot of damage and the bones inside her neck were fractured. Oh, I I don't like it. Yeah, no one does. An autopsy showed that she had died from strangulation, suggesting a crime of passion. They thought this was also evident because the killer passed through the kitchen, which had several large knives and a knife block, and they opted not to take one. So it was concluded that it was a last minute decision to kill her. Yeah. Now, Billy Jensen does kind of refute this on his podcast and said, points out that Ted Bundy didn't carry a weapon with him all the time either. He would pick something up along the way and bludgeon, use anything to bludgeon someone. So it's possible this was first degree murder, but that's not what the detectives think at this point. Fuck what Billy did. You know what? <laughs> Fuck him, though. The fuck does he know? Damn it. I was gonna make you feel bad for mentioning him again. <laughs> what if I have the wrong guy? Oh, my God. What if, it's, what if it's Paul Holes? It's not Paul Holes. <laughs> They've cut ties, too, I think. What really stood out to cops is that she didn't have any bruises on her face. Typically, when someone is strangled, they've been punched first or there's like some sort of fight first and maybe even been knocked out to avoid a fight but in this case it appeared whoever did it went straight to strangling dana with the adrenaline of the victim fighting back medical examiners said it would take a very long time for the murderer to kill her because they would constantly have to readjust their grip oh gosh therefore they concluded that this person was very physically strong Ooh. i don't know God, that is so scary. Cops have been made aware that Dana actually has nine-year-old triplets who are not in the house, thank God. So on paper, the idea of murdering someone murdering Dana left people shocked. But as we get into her story, you'll learn that there's no shortage of suspects. However, it is who actually did it left everyone baffled. Oh my gosh, okay. Sorry, she had nine tri- I mean, nine-year-old triplets? Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Let me tell you a little bit about Dana. Ever since Dana was little, she was known for two things, her creativity and how nurturing she was to others. Her artistic side came from her father, who is an award-winning artist, Bill Ross. No relation no. to Bob Ross. Damn it. I looked. I know. God, I would, no, there's got to be some relation. I know. I'm like, wait a minute. Was that a typo? I hope it's Bob Ross. Oh, my God. That's <clears> what they meant. And her ability to care for others only grew as she got older, and she began babysitting as soon as she was allowed to. When she grew up, she even wanted to own a daycare. Whoa. Yeah, which is, God, you're you're a saint. You're a patient as shit. Oh, my God. And, of course, above everything else, she wanted to be a mom. As we know, the universe can sometimes be very cruel, and ironically, becoming a mom would not come easy to her. In 1989, at age 24, she met a man named Stan. And just as a side note, this is very weird, but a lot of articles call him Sam. Oh, which is initially why I turned on the Unexpected Killer episode on oxygen, because I'm like, why well, every article is saying something different. They call him Sam, but the court documents call him Stan. So <clears throat> I'd had enough, so I went to Facebook and I found him. It's Stan. Oh, well, is it, maybe it's like Stanley, Samuel. Exactly. Seth or That's whatever. what I'm thinking. But yeah, 
I've, I've turned weird. to Facebook and it's Stan. So just in yeah. case you, anyone looks it up and they're like, you even got his name wrong, you moron. I don't know. Same. Yeah, yeah we know. They fell in love and married pretty quickly and wanted to start a family, but she had difficulty getting pregnant. Heart goes out to anyone who has experienced this. I realize oh I'm very lucky to have never experienced this type of frustration or stress. I have my own issues. Don't worry. But this yeah. happens to not be one of them. And I recognize how extremely lucky I am. Oh, my God. No, it's really hard. Oh, I can't. So sad. Yeah. After four years of fertility treatment, she finally got everything she wanted and found out she was pregnant with not only one, not only two, but triplets, two boys and a girl. Oh she my was God. ecstatic. And this is 1989? Yeah. Wow. Dana actually did an interview with Seattle Times in 1994, explaining that at five, only five months pregnant, her water broke and they were told her that she would likely have to give birth within 72 hours and she would lose the baby girl. No. Which obviously left her devastated. She said that her and Stan stayed up all night crying. Oh. They put her on absolute bed rest in the hospital and she miraculously held those babies in for 13 more weeks. Nuh uh. Yep. Oh. So April my God. 1993, at 32 weeks, she gave birth to three beautiful babies. The girl oh. was three pounds, the boy was four, and the other boy is four and a half. Oh, that's great. Okay, sorry. They met in 1989. I thought she got pregnant in 1989. Oh, yeah. Damn. No. I'm sorry. No, she... Yeah. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, one newborn is a ton of work, let alone three. Mm-mm. And, in fact, according to Crime Zone, she did another interview in 1996 when she was asked about some of the day-to-day challenges, and she recalled a recent trip to the grocery store where she very meticulously planned the, the outing. She waited until after nap time. She fed all three babies, got them dressed, loaded them up on their car seats. And when she got to the store, she realized that she was still in her flannel pajamas. Head to toe. Oh, good for you, girl. You walk in that store, no one gives a shit. No, and she completely forgot to get herself dressed. But as anyone oh. would, she was like, screw that. I'm not, I'm not going uh, back. She got the important stuff taken care of. Good right. for her. Exhaustion, man. But I was like, oh, my God, I can see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, of course. You're, you look down and you're in your PJs. Yeah. I've done that with slippers, but not like full on pajamas. That's I like, w- went to take Charlie into daycare and I was like, oh my God, I'm in these slippers. <laughs> I was like, don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all these interviews that she's doing tells me that she survived this. Oh, okay, just did, keep going. Did you hear the first part of the story? Well, she's I mean, dead on the couch. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear you say that they pronounced it out. How is she doing all these interviews? Her autopsy said strangulation. Were you not listening? Oh, oh, well, my coffee's not. Oh my God. I've been up so, for so long. Okay, wait, why is she doing interviews with Seattle Times and all that? I think there was a um, annual picnic or something for um, parents of celebrating parents of multiple kids, twins, triplets. Uh, And I think, I think they just interviewed like, what are some day-to-day challenges? Oh, Things like okay. Yeah. I guess mom's invitation got lost in the mail. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> in 2000, after 11 years of marriage, her and Stan sadly split up. So now she's a single mom, which is a whole new challenge. Lord. This is actually when she took the nanny job and did her best to provide for her kids. And on top of that, she became like a second mom to her 17-year-old niece, Amanda, and her best friend, Emily, who Dana allowed to stay at her house whenever they wanted because... They're a little rebellious and ran away from home a lot. And Dana just wanted them to be safe. So that just shows you how nurturing she really was because 
Well, yeah. Like anyone wants. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'd sure. hope so. But like most people, I'd be like, no, I'm a single mom. I don't have time for teenager angst. Just go That's, home. Just yeah. Go, yeah. Please. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I did not mean to, um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But no, she's I get like it. the cool answer. So I, I kind of wasn't show. picturing them teenagers. I was picturing them like, you know, 10 running away from home. I just said 17 year old. Y'all, Rachel's not I'm listening. not, y'all. I'm so tired. It's been a hell of a week. Do you want to hear about it? No. So there's some background as to why outsiders might be baffled on who would want to kill her. And there's little evidence at the crime scene, actually virtually none. So obviously they look at the ex-husband first and reasonably so, because when police tried to notify him about the murder and to make sure he had their triplets, oh my he God. didn't answer nor call them back for several days. Uh, nope. That's yeah. Bart Corbin vibes. Yeah. No, you answer, make sure your kids are good. We're just mm -hmm. checking in. No, to make sure that he has the kids. Right, yeah, I know, but, but you know, their, but, their mom has been killed. Are, are your kids okay? Yeah, but when he finally did call him back, he explained that he had his, he and his kids were safe. They had been camping all um, weekend, and he had no cell service. And he came back to a slew of voicemails about Dana's death and was just as confused and shocked as everyone else. Okay, that's fine. Well, yeah. Obviously, being the ex-husband, you're at the top of the list. The sure. divorce had some unresolved issues with custody stuff, specifically that she and the kids moved hours away. I couldn't find exactly where he lived or where they lived before, but after the divorce is when she moved to, uh, back to Puyallup, her hometown. Mm -hmm. So he saw it as her breaking up the family and was not happy about it at all. So that would give him motive. And he was definitely strong enough to do the strangling in the way she was found. Oof. And even more suspicious, he was not being cooperative. When asked for a DNA sample and fingerprints, he refused because he didn't like the idea of being a suspect. Well, no one does. When no one does, and you know it's a really good way to keep you on the, the suspect list, that bullshit. Yeah. Being that an behavior. Asshole. That yeah. behavior. Resistance. Oh. Yeah. Mm. He also had some cuts on his legs, which he said was from playing baseball. But again, he said he was three hours away camping with his kids and stopped at a gas station which he'd still had the receipt for it and proved it. The triplets also confirmed this. And while he could have technically made the three hour trip back while they were asleep, it's pretty unlikely. How old are the triplets at this point? Nine. Oh yeah. Three nine-year-olds could not all stick to the same story if he was lying. Well, like if, they, if they all three say it, I kind of believe it. I don't believe it's him. Well, right. But, and they're saying they're not sticking to a story. They're saying, well, you could have gone while they were asleep. And like, that's six hours of nine-year-old, three nine-year-olds sleeping on the ground, someone would have woken up eventually and been like, dad's not here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They're saying technically you could have driven, waited for them to sleep, drive three hours, kill her, drive three hours back before your yeah. kids woke up. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Have you ever been camping? It's not a good night's sleep. It's not a good night's sleep. And these kids are nine. Like right. So they, he's ruled out pretty quickly. Dana's family didn't have any other leads to give cops. Even her niece who knew her and her social life probably the best had no idea who could have done it. But the couple Dana worked for did. You oh, see, the okay. reason they called the police so quickly is because they knew she had a stalker. Ooh, uh-uh. There was a man named Patrick who installed cable in the neighborhood. And after he met Dana, he spent a month repeatedly asking her out and she kept saying she wasn't interested. He then left notes and poems outside her back door. Ooh. And when she ignored them, the letters turned real creepy. Mm -mm. telling her that he had her under surveillance and included things that only he would know if he were watching her. Unfortunately, these letters were not released to the public. I really wanted to see like a specific example, but. 
Ugh. Ew. Ew. Dana confided in the couple she worked for about Patrick and even said, if anything happens to me, he did it. Cops checked her phone records, and the night she was murdered, he had called her back-to-back several times. He also drove a white work van, and someone said they saw a white van in the alleyway behind Dana's house that day. Lord. Okay, he is a cable installer? Mm-hmm. God, let's call his employer. Right. Didn't I, using... cable, I think a cable guy, yeah, murdered an old woman in California not too long ago. What? Mm-hmm. No. Look it up after. This granted them a search warrant of his house, so they show up and tell him to come down to the station with them and presented the search warrant, and he is pissed. He's combative and being an asshole. When he gets to the station, he's not being cooperative. It's a theme here with these men. For real. And says he doesn't know what this is about, and they're like, read the search warrant we presented to you. And when he sees it's a result of a homicide against Dana, his whole demeanor changes. He is shocked. He said he had no idea. He told them they can gladly search his place. Like, oh, wow. We already are, but thanks. <laughs> We're on top of it, but thanks. Thank you so much. He gave them permission to do whatever they needed to do and immediately gave fingerprints and DNA. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a peeping Tom, but apparently not a murderer. In his house, they do find a lot of violent letters to a woman. She's not addressed. When asked about them, he says they're not about Dana. They're about his soon-to-be ex-wife, and it's just a way for him to cope with his anger. He's not planning to do anything. He's essentially venting. Who knows if that's true, but one of the letters does reference the woman having green eyes and Dana has brown. So um, they, they do take it into evidence, but who knows? He also it's said... It's still concerning. <laughs> like, oh, sure. And he's clearly... Dana or not, what are, what are these letters saying? They're violent? Right, Ooh. and clearly he has boundary issues. Yeah, yeah, he's beyond a peeping, peeping Tom. Sorry. Yeah. He also said he was working that night and afterwards hung out with friends, and shockingly, they followed up on this alibi and it checked out. And they looked up the van that someone saw in their neighborhood, neighborhood and it was completely unrelated. It wasn't even his. Uh, so he's cleared. All right. Don't like him, though. No, no, no. Back up. Back up. It's creepy. Mm. The third suspect was a guy Dana was actually dating named Michael. He lived in Canada and worked in the film industry, and Dana met him when she was up there visiting a friend. They started doing the long-distance thing, but apparently Michael was a bit of a partier, and Dana was over it. So they were kind of on the rocks. And police learned from Dana's best friend, Shauna, that Dana actually cheated on Michael. She had a one-night stand with a guy named John, and John happens to be Michael's best friend. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Dana told Shauna that if Michael ever found out, he would lose his mind and made the same comment she did about Patrick, saying, if I end up dead, Michael did it. Oh, gosh. I know. Twice she's made this. This would also line up with their thinking that it was a crime of passion. So police go up to Canada to talk to Michael, who said he did speak to her on the phone the night of her murder, and she was being a little standoffish. He said, I love you, and she apparently didn't say it back. So when they hung up, he decided to make an impromptu drive down there to talk about their relationship. Oh. Okay. So I know grand gestures like this when someone's not interested isn't cute. It's about uh, you're cr- crossing the border to come talk to me when I told you I didn't want you near me or I'm not interested. Or I'm losing uh, interest. Like, it's just come on, it's not- read the room. She doesn't say I love you back. She certainly doesn't want you to show up at her house. <laughs> yeah, he's like it's not cute. I see what she's doing. Hard to get. <laughs> It's working. I'm just going to go another country to see her. God. 
But he said when he got to the border, he was turned away due to some unresolved legal matters he had. Oh, tell us more about that. I know. I couldn't find anything more about it. Again, not released to the public. But it could have been anything as like a traffic violation. And like, I know, nope. I know. Yeah, totally. So police contacted Border Patrol and they confirmed they did turn him away. So Michael is also ruled out. Could you imagine if he got there? Like, I wonder, oh, whatever. he'd be in jail. I mean, yeah, he, like, that, there's no other sus. That's too much of a coincidence. Like, so then we talked about our relationship and I left. I went back home to Canada. Or he could have prevented it or walked into a gruesome, awful scene to uh, which, yeah, he probably would be blamed for. Detectives are at a complete loss. There are three very viable suspects. So they get creative and they go to her grave site. Oh. Dana was she's cremated. Ar- she's already been, what? Yeah. It hasn't been I know. solved. I know. Isn't that weird? I guess it was different in 2001. I thought that that was illegal. You couldn't cremate, cremate a body until. If it was murdered yeah. until it was solved, until the investigation's over. I know. This was cremate. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Dana was cremated and next to her urn, there's a guest book from the funeral where people can write comments, condolences, what have you. So cops look at the book and there's one note in there that was written a month after the funeral that's addressed to Dana and says something like, I'm sorry I let you down. I've been sober for 30 days. That night was really difficult for me. And cops are like, Excuse me? That night? No one knew about her death until the next day. So this was very interesting to them. But even more interesting was who wrote it. Oh, God. I have a feeling I know. Dana's 17-year-old niece, Amanda. <gasps> oh. Uh-huh. No. Mm-hmm. Who'd you say? Who are you? I was say? thinking the, the family she nannied for, like the husband uh, or something. Nope. But the they, strength. We'll get the, there. Okay. They looked more into Amanda and learned that she and her friends were all quote, troubled, I don't know what this means, come on, and all, they hung out at a park downtown, Pioneer Park, if you're in the area, and <gasps> we get, um, oh, no, that's Pioneer, Pioneer no. Square, sorry, Puyallup, yeah, and they would just get into mischief, these damn kids, and rock and roll music, it's those marijuana cigarettes and rock and roll music, uh-huh, people in their high school referred to their little group as the park rats, Ew. Dana being the patient, <laughs> I know it's disgusting. I would do not like that nickname. No, I would hate it. Dana being the patient woman she was would allow Amanda's friends to come to her house, feed them, sometimes even give them money when they needed it. So cops talk to Amanda and they're like, would any of your sketchy ass friends do this? And she says, oh yeah, a guy named Blaine might. He has Ew. a temper and even attacked me once when I went and hook up with him. And now that you mention it, I did see him in the neighborhood after Dana's murder and he had scratches on him. Maybe if he tried to cop a feel and she rejected him, he snapped like he did on me. I don't know. So cops look into his record, and he does have one, which are mainly drug charges. They contact him, and they learn that he's actually on probation and has fled the state, so there are warrants for his arrest. Oh, my God. They end up finding him in Georgia, but apparently he fought the extradition, and because of this, it would take a bit of a, it's a little bit of a process to get him back to Washington. I'm not sure why. So in the meantime, they look at his criminal friends, and one happens to be in the Puyallup jail. So they talk to him, and they're all, hey, do you think your sketchy-ass friend Blaine killed Dana Laskowski? And his response shocked them. He says, no, Blaine didn't do it. Emily Lauenberg did. Amanda's best friend. Okay. This is the one I talked about in the beginning. Emily and Amanda would live with Dana. They were rebellious teens. Oh, 
Oh, so a little more than rebellious. Yeah. I'm thinking right. just actual mischief. This is crazy. Okay, so Amanda wrote in the condolences book that I've been sober. That night was crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And whatever happened that crazy night, she didn't think it was worth going to the police and being, you know, telling them about this before. Um, no, I, she was too scared because she was there to watch. Oh, getting into it now. Ooh, yeah, it's fucked. Wow, she thought that condolences book was just for. She thought it was just between her and the Lord. <laughs> I mean, wow. But so. Emily and Amanda, who Dana treated like a daughter, gave them money, a place to sleep whenever they needed it. But initially, cops are like, no, a 17-year-old girl could not have done this. Let me be clear. Emily is 5'4 and 120 pounds. Ooh. So it does not seem likely. But the more they interviewed their fellow park rats, they learned that Emily's nickname was the mutant because of how, quote, freakishly strong she is. Oh, God. Often getting into fights and acting recklessly. Someone even said they saw her pin down a guy who was 6'4", 210. Wait, wait. I know. It is such a shame because this strength would be so useful for a woman to have if she yeah. just used it for good and not evil. Wow. 5'4", 120 pounds. That's she's about... Small. She's She's small, but that's like... It's, it's cut this, this is obnoxious, but that's about my stature. Mm -hmm. And I'm weak. I mean, like... I feel like I'm weak. Yeah. I can never. No, you couldn't. Take down probably anyone. Right. That's dad. Taking down dad. 6'4", you said? 6'4", 210. Holy shit. Yeah. This is bizarre. I know. According to her friend Jennifer, she once saw Emily shoot a dog several times, then stick her fingers in the dog's bullet wounds. I'm going to vomit. Disgusting. This bitch is 17? Yes. What's her problem? Uh, well, she has a lot of issues. Oh, she likes well, to kill things. that's clear. Likes to kill things. She's just, I don't know. Gross. On top of all these fucked up stories, cops learned that her favorite move is a wrestling chokehold that involves putting one arm behind the victim's back and turning them over at the waist. The exact awkward position Dana was found in. They brought oh. Emily in for questioning, and she obviously denies everything and not budging. She's arrogant. When detectives sit down, she, like, says in a jokey way, like, aren't you going to record this? Like, very blasé about being interviewed for a murder. She's stuck by the fact she had nothing to do with it, but they get a warrant to search her house. And inside, they find a black blouse that belonged to Dana. And even more creepy and repulsive, it's the blouse that Emily wore to her funeral. <gasps> I guess Whoa. that's one more, like, ha, got you bitch they also find a journal of emily's and inside were 10 things i want to do before i die number nine was kill someone and get away with it okay did, she's a goal setter in this search did they find her parents <laughs> what they oh say God, where are her parents no 17 they just left her they're like yeah, yeah this their is relationship great. was strained obviously what? they're Letting her go spend the night with a stranger to them. I mean, like, yeah, get, just get out of here. Okay. So I, think, I think she's a latchkey kid, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Things aren't great. Wow. Other things on the list, just to, if you're curious, go to Amsterdam and smoke weed legally. Own a dwarf horse and lamb. Start a fatty club. 
the fuck is this? I don't know if that's Wait, code for something else. Start F A T T Y or yeah. P H. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know what conclusion I would have come up with any spelling, uh, but yeah. I'm just curious. Oh, she's not fat, so I'm like, what do you mean? It might be code for something else, but what? She's ambitious. She's certainly ambitious. God, smoke weed legally. Give it a couple of years. Yeah, seriously, you got it. Oh, yeah. She's in Washington. That's like one of the first states. Come on. Yeah, give it a break. Further into the journal, she writes about a fight she had with Amanda, her, the niece, and says, I could strangle that bitch just like her aunt. Oh, well, there, there we are. Go. Sure, it could be a lie, but detectives move forward with the case against her, knowing this is likely the closest thing to a confession they're going to get. And they charge her with first degree murder. Don't worry, it's not over and you will be infuriated. Oh. Great. Knowing this would be a challenge because it's all circumstantial, detectives bring Amanda in for an interview one final time, and they tell her they know she lied about who killed her aunt, and if she didn't cooperate, she'd be charged with conspiracy after the fact. And it worked because Amanda broke down and confessed and said this is what happened. Amanda and Emily came to Dan Dana's house, effed up on God knows what, that drugs. They asked Dana for money but started being very rude to her, almost like picking a fight. And Dana could see that they were obviously high and told them they needed to leave. And this apparently is when Emily snapped. She attacked her in a full-blown rage and put her in the wrestling hold before grabbing a scarf, wrapping around her neck, and strangling her. This is when Amanda got scared, so she turned her back. Just turned her back and closed her eyes and said she heard a crack, a gurgle, and terrifying gasp. And then it went silent. Thank God those kids were not home. No shit. Oh, my God. After seeing Dana was dead, they took her wallet and fled. The reason why she did it is still a little spotty. It could be argued that she's just a hothead who snapped while on drugs. But according to First Degree Podcast, there was once something a little more between Amanda and Emily romantically. And it was concluded that Emily was threatened by Dana because Amanda would always ditch her. Wait. Grow the fuck up. Are you serious? Stop it. Her aunt. Get over it. God. God. Amanda testifying against Emily was really the only shot the cops had at a conviction since there wasn't any physical evidence. So they struck a deal with Amanda in exchange for her testimony. She wouldn't be faced with any charges. Even with this, prosecutors were nervous that the jurors wouldn't buy it and the defense could easily explain everything else away. The blouse, the journal entry could have been an angry rant, etc. But was the prosecutor like... But did y'all hear the dog story? Let's just, <laughs> right. Let's and just this is what do away with her anyway. I mean, honestly. just kidding. I know you can't do that. Blah, 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 you know. So to avoid Emily walking free, they struck a plea deal with her and allowed her to plead guilty to a lesser charge of manslaughter to guarantee some jail time. And on January 21st, 2004, Emily was sentenced to six and a half years in prison no. and served five and a half years. So, she's getting out when she's like 22 so or so three. Young. So young. To me, no. she achieved her goal. She did. She pretty much got away. Oh, she got away yeah, with she it. she did. Mark number nine off the list or whatever the, the hell. Mm-hmm. So she's out now. And she was, yeah, again, young when she was released. Oh, I'm scared. She has her whole life ahead of her. The triplets went on to live with their father and seemed to be doing well. And Emily has since changed her name, gotten married, and has kids of her own. And let me tell you, I dug for her new name. I went to Reddit. I went to Facebook. Everywhere looking for someone to out her in the comments, but nothing. There is one chick it might be. I'm not going to say her name in case I it's not. I was not saying you don't do it. I'm scared. I'm not, no, I'm not. I just, I won't. But if I were confident 
If I were sure, I would. No, you wouldn't. Sure, I would. Oh, God. I did it with Carla Homolka now. Oh, well, that's like very, very public. Well, that's what this bitch is hiding. She might snap when she finds out who you are. And, and more importantly, who your twin sister is. <laughs> yeah, this podcast could be get a whole lot more interesting if we had a murderer after us. Oh, God, I can't speak of it. I got to like, go back. I just someone who murdered a mother of three got five years. She was tried no. as an adult, too, even though she was well, 17. Yeah, I, oh, I, I just assume that she had violent tendencies, killing animals. I mean. It's not even like she could say she was coerced by an abusive partner or something. She wrote it out. This was a goal of hers. She this is, is violent. She is a threat to society. And she is who is the worst this week. Oh, God. She really is. She's a park rat. Now she's a, oh, no, not now. She's a prison rat. Never mind. Stop that. No, she has children of her own. <sighs> That's the only reason I wouldn't out her for the safety of her children. But God, what a repulsive, yeah. heinous little bitch. Wow. That's not terrible. And Amanda's last name is not released, which I'm like, I, I can't find that. So I don't, I don't know what her whereabouts are now, but I'm sure she's probably done the same thing. She's probably in hiding too. Mm-hmm. We've done the same thing as in try to change her name and yeah, uh, yeah, all that. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Cordana. Like I'm thinking of all these men it could be due to the strength and it's a 17 year old girl. Gross. Disgusting. Thank y'all so much for joining. Again, y'all are the best. People are the worst. worst. Bye-bye. See you soon.